All right, you may be seated. So glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Scott. I work here for another seven days, and then I will still work here, but I will be on sabbatical. Yep, thank you for the two, yes. Are they clapping because I'm leaving? Are they clapping? Yeah, no, we're just, uh, today will be the last uh, week I get to preach. Next week we're having a a different kind of service, family service and a celebration. And um, so today I get to preach a word from uh, our second week of the Ezekiel series. Um, I will confess at the outset, there's a lot of Bible. I'm trying to cover the first 10 books, in essence, of a story in the scriptures called Ezekiel. And I just want to give you some context, and then I'll pray and we'll launch, that Ezekiel was a prophet. And the prophets were messengers by God to encourage the nation of Israel to say, hey, come back to worship fully with God, body, soul, and spirit. Ezekiel, we said last week, is easy to relate to in a sense because he was 20 years old when God called him into the ministry, but at 25, Israel, because they hadn't been obeying God, the the nation of Babylon uh, took them captive. And so Ezekiel was marched into captivity, and at 30 years old, he gets a vision of God's glory. And so the book of Ezekiel is written to a man in a far off land, wishing he was in a different place, wishing his life looked different. But God says, I want to speak to you. I want to speak to you. But before God speaks to him, God reveals his glory. We're going to talk about that today. And then God gives Ezekiel a a mission statement because as people of faith, full of God's glory. Sometimes we're going to have to say really hard things. Sometimes we're going to have to receive really hard words when we've departed from God's best. But ultimately, God tells Ezekiel, Ezekiel, you have to tell my people they were made for more than this. They were made for glory. And so that's really what we're going to be talking about, about, about the presence of God and about him getting this job description of repentance and then him kind of telling Israel that it's going to get better in a little while. Would you bow your heads and pray with me now? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word. We thank you for these people. We pray, God, that your spirit would continue to dwell in this place and that you would meet us now, young and old, female and male, that, Lord, from every different place, we're here gathered today. We want to understand more of your power in our life, your fullness in our life. So encourage your people now in the places where they need to hear and be inspired by you. And all God's people said, Amen. Ezekiel week two, the title is Glorious Future. And really the thing that we're going to end with is this reality that you were made for glory. I want you to turn to somebody on your left or the right, look them in the eyes and tell them you were made for glory. You can even wag your finger. You were made for glory. You were made for glory. Believe it. If you're sitting alone, I got you. You were made for glory. You were made for it. The glorious future. Now, we're going to be talking about God's glory today. I don't know about you, but that's not a word that I use a whole lot in my vocabulary, glory. But if we say it, we often talk about the glory days, right? We don't, we're not often thinking about the glory days looking forward. We're talking about the glory days looking past. And anyone over the age of about 35 or 40, we hear the John Cougar Mellencamp, glory days, right? Like the glory days, we look back, and when we look back, even our hard things become romanticized because we know that we made it. We look at the past and the glory days because the whole notion of fear about how things might turn out is removed. You, you know how things turned out. You, you live to tell about it. The glory days. 
I mean, as a pastor of this church, at almost nine years, this church has been going. I mean, we've got glory days to talk about. In the early years, about 50 of us. I mean, you were there. Yeah, I saw you there and some others. Right? We had a little trailer and we started in a little community center and there's about, you know, 50 and a bunch of kids and, and, you know, we were worshiping for a couple months and people started to come and we recognized we really don't know what we're doing, do we? No. But if we just keep loving each other well and keep having a purpose for our neighborhoods, God's got something for us. Man, those were, those were glory days. And, and there's been about 496 of them to be approximate days that I've been the pastor of this community. About 496 Sundays where we gathered to proclaim God. Those were, those were good. They really were. But it's my firm conviction that we should be known not for just what we've done, but what we're going to do. Not by just the, the past. It's like, oh, really, Scott? Can we hear one more football story? Really? Like, all right, you seem to kind of live in the past, buddy. Like, all right, like, let's not be defined by our past. Let's be looking into the future. And Ezekiel this morning is going to give us a word about glory. The glory is about receiving God's presence. The glory, when we're not careful, can be missed and can depart from our lives. But if we're anchored in the presence of God, if we're hungry for more as a church, then the future, Bethany North, the future is glorious. So let's look at our outline today. The glory comes for us. And the glory comes as a revelation of presence. Again, I know for, if this is your first week and sometime, then you, it's okay. You're going to catch up in a hurry. This book can feel confusing to some because it's prophecy. Now, real quick, before we pull up chapter one, prophecy is interesting because 25% of the Bible is prophecy. Well, what's prophecy again? Prophecy is looking towards the future and getting a word of warning or encouragement to say, continue to follow God. Almost one quarter of the Bible is prophecy. Now, Ezekiel is a prophet, but as I mentioned, he's also a priest. He knows intimately what it's like to be disappointed. He knows what it's like to be in a foreign place that he didn't want to be. He wanted to be in Jerusalem. He wanted to be a priest. He wanted his nation to be connected to God. And here he is in Babylon, and the glory of God comes for him. This is really remarkable, because here in this foreign land, this man that thinks that God's forgotten, under captivity, that's where the glory of God comes. So verse 28, chapter 1, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, when he sees the glory of the Lord, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. So all of Ezekiel is prophecy where the glory of God reveals himself to this person who? Ezekiel, kind of wooing the country, the nation of Israel, back. Now, but remember, the nation is in captivity because they've missed God's glory. Let's just talk for a moment about glory because, again, we're not talking about glory days. We're talking about glorious future. But in the Old Testament, this word glory was this Hebrew word kavod. Say kavod. Okay, kavod. What kavod means is glory. Now, glory is really interesting for us as a modern kind of Western person, but in the Old Testament, glory was the very, the very character of God. Like, read this uh, or see this quote from Abraham Heschel. He's an Old Testament scholar. Glory is the presence, but not the absolute essence of God. It's an act rather than a quality, a process, not a substance. Mainly, the kavod, the glory, manifests itself as a power overwhelming 
changing the world. So when the glory shows up, it overwhelms the world. Why? Because it's a power that descends to guide and to remind. And so why that's important is when we see glory, when we see this word kavod in the Old Testament, it's an attribute of God's power and character, but it's God's presence. God is always seeking us out to, to reveal his glory to us. This word glory was all over the Old Testament. Let me just show you a few examples. In Exodus 33, Moses said, God, please show me your glory. I remain firmly believing that when we ask to see of more God's glory, more of his glory in our lives, that God will, will bless us with that. Exodus 40, then the cloud covered over the tent of meeting and the glory, the kavod of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Then in Leviticus 9, Moses and Aaron went into the tent and when they came out, they blessed the people and the glory appeared to all the people. And then in John, this Old Testament word glory for kavod becomes this Greek word doxa, still means glory. We know that Jesus was the embodiment of all things glory. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father full of grace and truth. So as New Testament people, we look only to Jesus to see the full glory of God. What's interesting here is in Colossians, Paul would promise us that because we're the new temple, we're the the old story made new again. It's not just about glory days, it's about the glorious future. Paul says there's a mystery that's been hidden for the ages, that's been disclosed to God's people now. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the riches of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, like inside of us. So in the Old Testament, the glory would come down. They're like, oh my gosh, there's God's glory. And he's trying to remind us that, that he's, he's for us. And he's, he wants to just be so connected to us. And then Jesus comes into this, this new element of the story that we actually get to be full of the Holy Spirit. We get to be full of glory. And so in Ezekiel, there's this whole thing in Ezekiel 1. You might have read it this week. Ezekiel 1, I'll read it over you. Just, you know, some of this imagery about the glory of God that's just so awesome and awe-inspiring for Ezekiel and confusing for us. Ezekiel writes, I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, a cloud with flashing lightning and brilliant light. So there's, there's, there's a lightning storm. And then the center of fire looked like glowing metal. And in the fire, there was four living creatures. And in appearance, their form was human. Like all this thing is going on. And Ezekiel said it was awesome. Artists, like go ahead and Google the Ezekiel 1 image. You'll see every random image under the sun. We can't concretely even understand what Ezekiel saw, but it was the glory of the Lord. And so just a couple things to remember here, because there's a lot when we read Ezekiel, there's a lot we don't quite get, but a couple things we're supposed to get about the glory, the kavod, is that the glory of God comes in presence. And so God is indescribable and awesome, But for Ezekiel, he's one of the most visual of all the prophets. He's saying, we were meant to encounter this glory. We were meant to be full of God's glory. We were built like containers to be receptacles of God's fullness. Now that's different than the world tells us. The world tells us our value is in our our bank account or our external features or social media or, or you know, my business card or any number of other things. But God says, you were actually built to be full of my glory. 
And then the second thing is that we're just reminded about the glory coming to Ezekiel, that glory is a revelation of God's presence, that this is the kavod, is that we just continue to remind ourselves that God came not into the temple in Jerusalem, but all the way into Babylon to this prophet and priest named Ezekiel to say, you are not alone and I'm not done with you yet. And so in there's places when I feel distant from God, when I'm not sure what God's doing, God says, that's exactly where I want my glory to shine into your life. And so before Ezekiel speaks judgment, before God gives him a mission statement, before a next temple is given, before even the hope, God encounters Ezekiel. So that's meant to be inspiring us. If you're new to faith, if you're just like, man, I don't even know where I'm at in this story, you can start at the beginning. God, may I encounter more of your glory. I want more of what some others around me seem to have. And for others that are in the story already, we're meant to stay hungry for more and more and more of God's glory. You know, I mentioned the glory days. Looking back, oh, we started, you know, nine years ago in the community center and all this. And that. It's, it's fine, but really, the, the strength of this community won't be the things that we've done. It's the things that we'll do next by the glory of God. Like, that's what God hungers for, better stories. Stop living in the past. God says, I want to give you new stories of my glory in your life and in your community. This fall, I mean, I, I mentioned this story in messages, but many of you didn't hear this, that we, at the time, were trying to rent this Lutheran building in, in Edmonds, and we engineered the whole thing, and there was barbecues down there, and all, I mean, it was all just kind of happening, and we were in the council. We have one council over the whole church, and they, they needed to vote on this, and they were willing to do it if Bethany was, you know, called to, to, to move from the school over to this Lutheran church, and this woman I worked with at the end of the meeting, she said, Scott, I don't know what you want to do with this, but I just felt like God had a word for Bethany North. What is it, I said. She said, I felt like God was saying, ask me for more. Just keep asking for more. More glory. More people. More transformation. Just more like, don't just be content that like, yeah, nine years ago, there was these people. Like, those are some interesting stories. Yes, we took the strip club, uh, sugars, and transformed it. That's an old story. I had a leader in our church say, if I hear one more story about that old thing that we happened, I'm going to throw up. I want new stories. Me too. So you have a pastor that served you for nine years, and it has been my honor to know your stories. But I'm hungry for more. I'm hungry for more, more encounters and transformation for you by the power of God to, to, to be full of his glory. So glory comes to renew and inspire action. And this is the second point of our outline, that the glory comes, if you're kind of looking at a general outline of Ezekiel, this, this whole vision happens to glory. And then in Ezekiel 2 and 3, Ezekiel's given this mission statement where, where God says, the people of Israel, they've missed it. And, and I'll warn you, says God, that when you miss me for long enough, I'm not going to stick around. I don't like being a wallflower at the junior high dance, said God. I want to be the main attraction. So if you don't want to know me and be full of my glory, you can choose that. But I'm going to go elsewhere for people that are hungry for my spirit. 
So this is the, the kind of glory missed, glory departed. Ezekiel 3 now, we're just kind of taking this big flyover. But it, God is sending Ezekiel to say hard words to the people that have missed God's best. They haven't been containers of God's glory. They, they started to practice injustice. In other parts of the scriptures, it said they started to weight the scales wrong. They started to, to cheat people. They didn't practice justice for hungry people. They didn't live into God's calling for fullness of glory. They started to just manifest their own sin and pride and they departed from God's best. Look at Ezekiel 3, verses 5 through 7. God says to Ezekiel, you're not being sent to a people of obscure speech and strange language, like missionaries somewhere else. No, I'm sending you to the people of Israel, to your home base. Man, if you want to change the world, you better start at home. Like, I care about Africa too, but if you don't live out what you say in your own place of home, then nobody's listening anymore. So he says, start at home, Zeke, not to the many people of obscure speech and strange language whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I'd sent you to them, they might have listened to you, said God. But the people of Israel are not willing to listen to you because they're not willing to listen to me. Because the people have hardened their hearts and they're obstinate. Hmm. Who's he talking to here? Well, he's talking to Israel. This is an old story. Okay, glory days, Sure. There's some times where he needs to be talking to us because God won't allow for injustice or inactivity. He demands our whole heart. He's wooing all of us back to him. And and the glory, as as Ezekiel experiences, moves him to be, you know, the speaker of of hard things, this advocator for, for a departed way. He's like, man, we've we've settled for less than God's best. And I too, Bethany, I too, at times, I settle for less than God's best. So if you're in the room this morning, you're like, well, it's kind of me. Welcome. You're amongst friends here. We're called sinners, okay? But we're meant to hunger for more. And when there's places where we've missed the glory of God, we're meant to not be comfortable with that, but to say, God, I want more of you in my life. Please, Jesus. God continues to send Ezekiel on this mission statement where he said, the glory of God's been missed. That's why you're in captivity. You, you missed the life. I set the table for you and you, you ate other foods instead and now you're stuck in captivity, dreaming of the glory days. Look at this uh, from, from Ezekiel 3, continuing on. The spirit lifted Ezekiel up, took him away. He went in bitterness in the heart and anger of the spirit. That's confirming for some. Even when God sends us into hard stories, we don't have to be yippy skippy. We might feel bitter, we might feel anger, but it's important that we continue to go. The hand of the Lord being strong upon me, said Ezekiel. Amazing language in Ezekiel where the hand of God actually wants to be on us and his spirit is meant to be in us. Hand on, spirit in. Ezekiel came to the exiles of Tel Aviv who are dwelling by the Kabar Canal. He goes, in, he's, in, he's in Babylon, and he sat where they were dwelling. He sat there overwhelmed. It's okay to feel overwhelmed when you're following God's will. Can I hear an amen? Okay, it's okay to be overwhelmed. It's okay if my heart is bitter and angry, but God, will you change my bitter and angry heart? God, can you change the overwhelming sense that I'm not good enough? I'm unqualified. All of God's favorite people in the Bible felt overwhelmed. Many of them felt angry in their spirit. So this becomes a pathway when God is calling us and wooing us for more glory. We don't have, oh yeah, you know, I'm just just called to these really hard things. I'm just so full of God's glory. You know, it's like, shut up 
up already. No, it's hard when God sends you on a mission as a person of truth for more of his glory. But he promises to be with us. Where was I? He was overwhelmed among them for seven days. At the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, I've made you a watchman. Hold on to that word. I want to talk more about it. I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. And the hand of the Lord was upon me there. I'll stop there. The hand of God was on me. Hand on me, spirit in it. Say it with me. Hand on me, spirit in me. Hand on me, spirit in me. This is a prayer I'm teaching you. When you are feeling angry in your spirit, bitterness in your heart, overwhelmed among hurting people, you get to pray these words. Lord God, please, for more glory, would your hand be upon me? Would your spirit be in me? And God promises to fill his people that are hungry for more glory. Amen? Hand on me, spirit in me. We have this joke, my daughter and I, because she's a pretty funny kid, and I drive her to school. And the other day, we were driving, and there was a guy running, and I said, you know what I could really use? She said, what? I said, for Father's Day. I just want this really long hand that I could just reach out, and when people are running, I could just tap them on the shoulder. She said, that's a really weird thing, Dad. And then it was Father's Day, and she got me said hand. Now, this is funny, because I just, you know, when I'm driving down the road, I can tap on people, hello, you know, but like, what if we honestly believed in the, in the chaos of our days that the hand of the Lord, this is a little creepy, I'll put it this way, but like, this, the hand of God is on me, the spirit is in me, I'm not good enough, that's okay, because you're not alone, I feel overwhelmed and angry and bitter at times, that's okay, God's sending you to remind people that if they've missed the glory, they're settling for less than God's best. That is powerful. So we learn from Ezekiel that we don't always serve out of glory. No, we serve out of receiving God's touch and acknowledging his spirit and being hungry for glory. So if you're sitting around waiting to be overwhelmed by glory before you get involved in God's work in the world, you're missing it. And God says, I'm going to send you to do hard things. So I'll ask you the question, church, what's pulled you away from God's best? What, what's, what's, you know, God asking you to pay attention to places of glory that feel like God's, you're missing God's best in your life because these things can be instructive for us. The things where we're missing God's best can help lead us back home to him. Uh, a congregant shared this, this quote from C.S. Lewis last week. It's so good. I want to share it with you. C.S. Lewis wrote in The Problem of Pain, he says this about how pain can be a teacher for us, that we can pay attention when glory is missing. Pain is, uh, insists upon being attended to. God whispers in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciousness, but he shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And so, Bethany, I want to just continue to encourage You are prophets and priests meant to be full of God's glory. And may you continue to pay attention to the places where the glory has departed a bit and lean into that hunger for more of God's glory. For you are a watchman, a watchwoman. I love that word, watchman, watchwoman, a watch person. Because in nautical terms, that means you're the, when you're on night watch on a boat, it's a big deal. I mean, the whole, they've been out working 20 hours, 24 hours, 30 hours. Man, everyone's, they're sacked out. 
It's rough seas. We're not anch- you don't have a night watchman oftentimes on an anchor. No, it's like when you're out at sea, but you have the entire ship resting on your shoulders. And if the night watchman falls asleep, you can be court-martialed for that. You have a, a responsibility as a night watchman that the safety of your ship depends on you. Or in military terms, a watchman or a watchwoman, they were a sentry. They were, they were a scout of sorts, either in foreign lands or guarding their own walls. And so God is asking you, he's commanding you, be a watch person in your home. Be a watch person in your church. Be a watch person for people you love. Call out injustice when you see it. Say hard things. Speak the truth because God is not complicit or okay with inactivity or injustice. He hungers for more. And what happens with Israel when they, when they, when they don't work the watch, when they just kind of fall asleep at the helm, God, God leaves the building I won't read for you, it's Ezekiel 8, and then it happens in Ezekiel 9 and Ezekiel 10, but Israel says that that the Lord does not see us, and so they start to just do whatever they wanted, and they missed it. And it says there in Ezekiel 8, 9, 10, 11, that the glory of Lord, which which has been housed in Israel, that the glory leaves the building. Because remember, the glory is just like a part of God's essence, but God's not interested in hanging around people that aren't worshiping, that aren't advocating for the marginalized, that aren't living out their faith. God leaves the building, but guess what, church? They don't even know he's gone. Like, they're still doing church services in the temple, Ezekiel gets taken back to Israel. Remember, five years he's gone. He gets taken back in this vision. This is Ezekiel 8, 9, and 10. He's like, he's home. It's amazing. It's what he's ever always wanted. He's back. Five years in Babylon. He's back in Jerusalem. But everything's changed. They're, they're sitting around, like, doing church, but nobody's connected to the glory. Nobody's full of the Spirit. Nobody's experienced the hand of God on them. And God leaves the building and the church services continue. This is meant to be a warning for us. That when we settle for less than God's best, God loves us, he's for us, but he does let us choose our own adventure. And we could continue opting out of God's glorious story and settling for something far less than the life to which we were created. Now the church that we're trying to build here is one that knows how to get on our face and worship in spirit and truth. And we're reminded that God's not so interested in buildings, he's interested in more more glory. And so this is a question I want to ask you, church, like where do you maintain God's glory in your life? And when you depart from God's best, how how are you getting back to that place where you're paying attention to where you're missing it? You're missing it. One of our lap members said, we met for dinner last week, and she said, you know, when we read through the Bible in a year, I just saw over and over again, God would never really accept it anything less than 100%. So we must be a church that says, more glory, and shining as recipients of that great love into our communities, advocating for the most marginalized. Amos 5.21, God says, I despise your church services because you've been missing the glory. And I don't know if you caught it, that just a couple days ago was Juneteenth, 
It's a growing wave of all Americans that are celebrating Juneteenth. Scott, I'm still learning about Juneteenth. Tell me more. Well, Juneteenth is the time in American history, June 19th, 1865, a day we celebrate because slaves that had been freed before found out they were free. Well, that's interesting because as God's people connected to God's glory, we're meant to be speakers of justice, marginalized for the most oppressed about us. Give us a history lesson. Remember the Emancipation Proclamation signed by Abraham Lincoln on January 1st, 1863? The Civil War would continue for over two years, but the Civil War ended in April 1865. But Juneteenth is celebrated on June 19th, 1865, when slaves in Texas hadn't heard that the war was over for many months, hadn't heard about the Emancipation Proclamation because nobody told them. And nobody told them. So when we, when we celebrate as a culture of Juneteenth, it's just like, oh man, we got more work to do to help people recognize that all, all ethnicities were created to be one race filled with God's glory. That's why we advocate for that. It's all about the, what the kingdom of God looks like. Not skin tones, but people being full of God's glory. That's why I work to be part of the ministry of racial justice and reconciliation. But in a similar way, when, when Israel and then when we as, as a community, as a culture, we settle less for less than God's glory, there are people in our community that don't know that the war is over. They don't know that God is for them. They don't know that Jesus died on Easter, on Good Friday, and was put in the cross and came alive on Easter Sunday. They don't know that they've been set free. And as Christians, people of the book, we know, we know how the story ends. We know that God's going to renew all things unto himself. But we are called to be speakers of glory, to remind people that the, the battle is done. The war is over. Be reconciled fully to Christ to be full of his glory. And this is where we end here. This is our glorious future. This is the reminder that you were told earlier in the sermon by someone else that you were made for glory. Because the nation of Israel, they've, they've kind of become the disdain because they had talked about God, but they weren't following. They'd, they'd missed the real glory of God. And so God is reminding us through this text that we were made for glory, that inspiration will trump, will trump obligation, and that we would be inspired to fall more deeply in love with the glory of God and be set on fire in our communities as speakers of truth, encouraging and convicting. Because the, the story of Ezekiel is haunting because it was the insiders that missed it the most. They missed it. And so Ezekiel is this word for us, don't miss the glory. You were made for so much more. Ezekiel 11, you've probably heard this verse if you've been coming for any time. We like to use this verse around here. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. God promises, this is how the story ends. This is the glorious future. God promises, I will give them, I will give them Israel after some judgment, after they miss me. I will give them one heart and a new spirit and I'll put it within them. I'll remove that heart of stone from their flesh and I'll give them a heart of flesh. In Christ, we get a heart transplant. That's so, so, so powerful. Our lives are built to be filled with glory. Church, you were made for glory. You were made for glory. 
But so often we settle for something less than God's best. And this is a reminder as we look, not to the glory days, but the glorious future. Lord Jesus, give us more, more influence, more of your spirit, more, more connections as a community, more actions outside of this building so that all people would fall more in love with you. We don't want to miss it. Abraham Heschel said this, he says, the whole earth is full of the kavod, the whole earth is full of his glory, but we don't perceive it. It's within our reach, but beyond our grasp. We gotta hunger for more. We have to remember that in Christ, that we have the glorious riches available, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is what C.S. Lewis said in his essay, The Weight of Glory. He said, to please God, to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness, to be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in as an artist delights in his work or a father and a son or a mother, a daughter. It seems impossible, a weight or a burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain, but so it is, so it is. The love that your father has for you And so faith looks more and more towards the glorious future to say, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father God, may we have more, more of you. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 4, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We know how the story ends, but God is reminding us this morning, like hunger for more. Be people of radical justice, being watch women, watchmen, watching the wall, working the watch. May you remember that the hand of God is on you, the spirit of God lives in you, and this is available for all of those times of feeling bitterness or overwhelmed. We will hunger for more, and God says, I so desperately want to pour out to you more and more and more of your glory. Bethany North, you were made for a glorious future. I'm super grateful for the nine years we've had. I'm super grateful. I get pretty overwhelmed, actually. Those were some good days, but the best is yet to come. You were made for glory. You were. Do you believe it? Can you receive that call in your life that God is for you and he so wants to fill you to be just a blessing into this city? Be filled with his glory. You were made for it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for these moments. Thank you for the opportunity to open your scriptures and the way you love to open our lives. We pray, God, that as we think to the future, that you would woo us back. But we're mindful for some in the room that feel like maybe they've missed it a bit. That, God, that they're feeling discouraged or shame or sadness. And even in this moment, we pray, Spirit, that you would pour yourself out on these people for mercy and grace and love. We know that it's inspiration that you start with, God. So inspire these beloved ones that you're for them, that you've not forgotten them. And many of them may feel like they're in places of captivity. Lord God, remind them you have a better future intended. You have a new heart to put inside their chest. 
But God, I thank you for the men and women, the saints of this church who have loved this church well, for the nine years of Bethany North, for the hundred years of Bethany Community Church. And God, we would ask in faith for a hundred more. We would ask for a radical impact that this city would understand your glory, that we would see revival, that people would encounter you, that stories would be changed, that justice would be had, that racism that would be torn down, that hungry people would be fed. Lord God, we would ask in faith that you would do something miraculous. We're tired for ways that we've just made peace with mediocrity. We're leaving it at the altar this morning. God, we're tired of ways we've made an idol of the past. Lord God, we would ask for a more glorious future, all for your glory in us, the women and men of this church, empty receptacles, hungry. For what? For your glory. Lord Jesus, we love you. And all God's people said, Amen. Will you stand with us as we close in song? And I'll remind you now, there will be prayer ministers available at the end of your service. If you just want to pray over something that God's been encouraging or challenging with, we would love to pray with you. Let's close in song together.